Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 97th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have a little bit of news, and I've finished some series I want to talk about, and then we'll move on to today's topic. So let's get started. Friendly reminder that episode 100 is a mailbag episode and we're still taking questions, comments, and any thoughts at all to celebrate, so please send in your feedback, ideally by DM, but email should be okay. So let's jump over to the news. So first, a new Magical Girl comic has just launched. So this is Maho Shoujo Misoji, or Magical Girl 30s. This is a comic about a 35-year-old office worker who becomes a magical girl. This is being published in Young King Bull magazine and is interestingly uh, full color. I'm not really familiar with the magazine except for that the target audience is male. So I'm not really sure what to make of the comic from what I've been able to see so far online. But it certainly is very interesting and... um, (laughs) When we shared the news online, first of all, there was a typo in the tweet, unfortunately, over on Twitter for it. But, you know, it looks like a lot of people are very, very interested in this concept. Let's definitely keep an eye out for that series. See how it goes. In other news, there's a new crowdfunding campaign to support the Magical Girl series Black Rhapsody. So you can find this over on Magic Gal Media on Twitter. And there will also be a link in the show notes, of course. But just to uh, take the description from their own page, Black Rhapsody takes the darkness of Puella Magai Madoka Magica and combines it with the horrific ultraviolence of Berserk with a bit of gem and the holograms sprinkled in. So it looks really interesting. The art is super cool. One of the panels definitely reminds me of Magical Girl Apocalypse. (laughs) But yeah, it looks pretty cool. So uh, if you're into those darker magical girls you should definitely check that out and so that's all for news this week so let's move on to what i've been watching so of course as always i'm watching our weekly shows so that's delicious party precure which is continuing to be very unique this season it's a lot more narrative than usual which is interesting then there's a watch of primaji which is getting more and more fun in this kind of second arc if you will of uh duos and so on it's been getting really really curious so that's super fun also uh, kiramaki powers and rista are continuing to chug along it's hard to really comment on them week to week because they are shorter episodes but um you know i'm still watching them so there is that at least and of course i am still watching healer girl and the demon girl next door which have been a lot of fun super interesting and finally wanted to talk about some shows I finished watching. So just yesterday, I actually finished two different series. The first one being um, Ojemajo Doremi Naisho. So this is the OVA series that came out after the main series had finished. It is really, really interesting and unique in that, you know, it is it is working off of the main story, but is more of a kind of series of little vignettes. Like each episode is its own kind of standalone story and they were just so delightful and so moving and it was so great to get back to the Dormy girls and now I feel completely ready to move on to see about getting into the novels and stuff so yeah very very exciting and the other thing I finished which was a rewatch was um, the second season of Burman Melody so this is Peachy Peachy Pitch Pure both seasons were available in Japan on a full anime TV on YouTube until yesterday's. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've just been kind of chugging along watching those episodes, rewatching the series. I actually do also have the DVDs for this season, so I didn't need to watch it on YouTube. But I did like getting to kind of contribute, I guess, uh, my views there. But yeah, it has been about a decade since I last watched the series because the last time I watched this particular season 
it was when I was enjoying the French dub of Mermaid Melody. So it was interesting to kind of readjust to the voices and so on of some certain characters. A little different from what I might have initially expected because I, I think I just kind of got used to slash remembered certain voices for certain characters. But in any case, overall, I have very strong feelings about Mermaid Melody in terms of having like really excellent vibes, but then the story itself, I think, is really weak, and especially in comparison to other Magical Girl series, which is kind of unfortunate. And, you know, especially because as we revisit the older series and get into the new series, you know, the sequel comic that is coming out, you know, people are wondering, like, what will happen in terms of, like, bringing back Mermaid Melody to the small screen. Like, what can we imagine seeing in the future, like, could we get the sequel animated? Um, I believe the second volume will cover actually turning into idols, which was not happening in the first volume of Aqua. But yeah, I just have no idea where that's going because the, the plot is just not it for me. But we'll see. Again, Mermaid Melody had great vibes, great music. And I think that was really the main thing that kind of carried the series overall. I think because of that, like watching it again, especially as an adult, I can kind of understand why it was difficult to get this series uh, imported to the US. But enough about that. I think it's time to go ahead and move on to today's topic. Well, currently going on right now is The Demon Girl Next Door Season 2, but today it's time to finally talk about Season 1. So of course, I was watching this also partially in preparation to enjoy Season 2, but honestly, once I started, I just simply could not stop, and luckily I already knew someone who was a fan of the series, both in its print format and in the animated adaptation, so... I was really happy to talk to Jisoo. So Jisoo's been, you know, another longtime Magical Girl fan who has been also on the internet for a very long time. So it was really interesting to get her input and so on. But yeah, it was just a, a lot of fun to chat with her about the series and get a little bit more context and so on. Especially because this is definitely one where there's a lot of creativity with the translation that's necessary. And I'm blissfully unaware of that. So it was interesting to hear about that aspect as well. But just overall, this is a super cute series that I definitely do recommend people check out if they haven't already. But of course, it's not without its problems. So just to warn people before they start watching the show or before they listen to this episode, the show does have some sexualization of minors, uh, just like lightly, and it's also commented on, but it is there. And... There's also some colorism as well. It feels very subconscious and unintentional, but it is there. So keep that in mind as well. But otherwise, I think we're ready to head in. So let's move on to the conversation with Jisoo about The Demon Girl Next Door Season 1. Okay, so we are here today to talk about the first season of The Demon Girl Next Door, and I'm very excited for our guest today. Can you please introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Jisoo, she, her. I run Secret Identity Studio, a YouTube channel. I'm an tuber basically, so I don't just talk about Magical Girl. I talk about lots of things, but yeah, I've always been kind of Magical Girl obsessed, and so here I am. <laughs> yeah so happy to have you so let's get started right there uh what is your history with magical girls i am gonna date myself with that because i mean i'm pretty old i think it <laughs> technically started in the very early 90s when one of my babysitters would bring over old vhs tapes recorded off the tv in her own childhood so hmm. i was watching all the 80s cartoons like rainbow bright which is arguably which type magical girl or at least adjacent and i think it was marketed as magical girl in japan was it 
I think it might have been. I believe so. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like Gem, which is a lot like Aikatsu or Corrector Yui in that it's one of those shows that would fit squarely into the genre, but uses super advanced future technology in place of magic. So people always argue whether it's Magical Girl or not. Hmm. I think it counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gem is pretty great, though. And then, of course, comes every millennial Magical Girl fan's origin story, as well as that of half of the Western anime fans of this generation as well. Got obsessed with Sailor Moon and never looked back. <laughs> I've been creating fan works and analysis for a very long time. Tokyo Mew Mew fans might remember me from Kokoro. Old Guard Precure fans might remember me from making the weekly dub reports and a couple of fan series, most notably Blue Moon. Basically, I've been around. Mm. Wow, great. <laughs> so I guess looking back, do you have any other particular favorite Magical Girl series? Well, I've always been really attached to Tokyo Mew Mew. It was like one of the series that defined my high school experience and basically mm. where I met a lot of my friends at that time. Honestly, I'm a pretty big Precure fan as well. My favorite seasons, I'm going to have to say, I like Splash Star. Yes, I I like Star <laughs> Twinkle. Hmm, great. Yes, love to have more Splash Star fans on the podcast. Uh, oh, so then you must be very excited about the Tokyo Mew Mew reboot happening later this year. Yeah, it looks yeah. really interesting. I mean, I was skeptical at first, but everything I've seen so far has just made me think, you know, it looks like an interesting way that they're going to tell a new version of this story. Like, mm. they're not trying to be completely true to the manga, but they don't need to be completely true to the manga because we already had the first anime. Hmm. And that was pretty close to the manga, and most of the changes it made, the manga ended up adapting anyway. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And, like... I've always been a Minto fan, so seeing what the new stuff that they're doing with Minto in this new version, where it seems like she might have a completely different origin, that I'm kind of interested in. Yeah, it is pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. I still don't know why they got rid of Jetta's antennae, because now she just looks human, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of interesting changes so far, and I'm definitely also very excited for this reboot. Yeah. But, yeah, great. So, yeah, let's get into this series. So, The Demon Girl Next Door, or Machikado Mazuku. This is originally a four-panel comic parody series that began in 2014 and ended in 2021. Originally published in Manga Time, Kirara Kyarat, and then published on its own in six volumes. So, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this first season of this animated series is covering the first two volumes of the comic, but... um. Uh-huh. Yeah. It covers mm -hmm. the first two volumes, although like right at the end it was kind of like hinting that there would be a second season and mm -hmm. now there is going to be slash is yes. now. Yes. <laughs> yes, the second season just started. I'm very excited. Have you watched it yet? I have not. I kind of just got home from work. That's so fair. I'm very excited. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll probably be watching it later after this recording as well. So for anyone who has not watch the series yet. This starts with our main character, who is uh, Yuko Yoshida. She is a girl who one day wakes up to find she has grown demon horns and a demon tail. Her mother, Seiko, reveals that the family are descendants of a, a dark evil clan, and until Yuko defeats a magical girl, their family is cursed into poverty. So while trying to find the magical girl to defeat, she ends up bumping into her and it turns out that uh, she was quite close by. Uh, Momo Chioda is our, our resident magical girl. And they develop this very interesting friendship while training Yugo to become the kind of dark magical girl that can defeat Momo. So it is a lot of fun. <laughs> and again, this is a, you know, a gag series. So despite the premise, it's very much a comedy. So it is very, very interesting. But what is your history with this series? Let's see. Full disclosure, I have not finished the manga. I know it's licensed by Seven Seas. I do have kind of a big pile of unread manga on my bookshelves right now, but Volume 5 <laughs> is coming out in English in like a little less than a week, so 
Yay. That's pretty yeah. good with the physical manga shortage going on. Mm. And for the anime, I did watch it when it was airing back in summer 2019. And of course, the second season is just starting now. Hmm. At the time, it was kind of a spare season. I think the only other things I was watching were Gron Belm and Dr. Stone. Hmm. But like the demon girl next door had a pretty strong hook. And so I just kept on watching it seasonally. Hmm. What do you think it was about the series that appealed to you? Well, honestly, I've always had a soft spot for Yonkama adaptations since Azumanga Daio. I mean, not to say they're all good. Some do not translate the pacing to the screen right. But a lot of Yonkama adaptations are just fun, charming stories that you get attached to before mm. you even realize it. Also, I think the other thing is just that it came out at the right time. The genre had been dominated by increasingly edgy and grimdark shows at this point. Like, this was the season after Spec Ops Asuka, like right after. Mm. And then we get this show, which it's like, oh, a magical girl show with a twist. But the twist is it's a Yuri comedy instead of the twist is they all die. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'll watch this. Yeah. And then it was like, this is hilarious. I'm going to keep watching this. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm not going to lie. I have not watched a lot of like these kinds of particular adaptations. I think the only other one I've seen is a new game which is, you know, for me, very beloved. But then I actually tried to read it and I was like, I don't really like this particular writing style, but that's fine. But I like, it works really well when done right, like you said. Yeah, and yeah, and that's fair. I mean, sometimes you like don't like the original work, but you just really like an adaptation. Yeah, so it's just, it's a very silly little comedy, you know, throughout the series. What we're getting is like each episode, Yuko, who later becomes known as Shadow Mistress Yuko, and therefore her name gets changed to Shamiko for most of the series is what Momo calls her. Um, <laughs> yeah, because she stuttered over Shadow Mistress Yuko and said Shamiko, and then Momo just keeps calling her Shamiko. Yeah. <laughs> it's adorable. It's very cute. But yeah, so like, you know, Shamiko is trying very hard to learn how to become strong enough to defeat a magical girl and it's very interesting because uh, it keeps getting pointed out that like Momo is not the strongest magical girl out there but Yuko is definitely not strong enough to defeat her you know so she keeps trying to do some stuff and it's like she she has like catchphrases like don't let this think that you've won you know it's very fun <laughs> but you yes. know Momo is very much like trying to help Yuko to become stronger and it's really really interesting also there's a lot of interesting like class discussion in this series because yeah because the the curse on yuka's family makes them so poor that they bring in like forty thousand yen a month which you can't possibly live on hmm. and momo is like stupid rich yeah and then it turns out like the class divide is a big part of the difference between the light clan and the dark clan and it's just that the light clan has been pounding down the dark clan for hundreds of years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this also leads to a lot of situations where because yuko doesn't have any money momo keeps like lending her money and stuff and so like she ends up literally owing her and it's like oh well you have to pay me back before you defeat me. Otherwise, that's going to be really bad. <laughs> like, it's just all these things. And then yeah. every time she tries to pay her back, something happens and she ends up spending the money on something yeah, else. Yeah, it's just so, it's it's very interesting. Because, like, her sister guilts her into buying her something or, like, her friend gets her to buy something. And then she's like, oh, yeah. now I still owe her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, like in episode uh, four, she actually tries to get her own part-time job to help pay her back and Momo ends up helping her anyway and it's just like it's a lot of stuff like that it's just very it's all again like very very funny very silly and they're not alone either because another major character is uh, Lilith who is the demon who is uh, I guess the ancestor of uh, the dark clan yeah. yeah who spends most of her time like embodying this little janky uh, statue that the family had been using as a doorstopper and I do have to mention that the family, again, is, it's not just Yugo, she also has a younger sister, and she lives with her mother. They don't explain where the father is for quite some time, but they're just, like, living in this tiny apartment, barely getting by, and eating off a cardboard box as a table. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's the <laughs> most terrible ramshackle apartment, and they're only there because the rent is, like, 
pocket change. Yes, yes. So it is a lot of a lot of that. But, you know, in general, like with each episode comes again a whole ton of gags because of the source material and like just all these little funny things that keep happening. But yeah, they're just the characters are so they're all so cute. So um, I think we should probably get to talking about the characters individually. So yeah, that's true. Like, like the main duo of Yuko and Momo are well worth the price of admission. Like anytime they're on the screen, just even in funny background events where Yuko is making some adorable noise while something else is going on. Hmm. Like Yuko is doing her best to be an evil demon. And frankly, she sucks at it. <laughs> Because she's weak, clumsy, easily intimidated, way too kind-hearted, and really just doing this for her family because they said so. Mm -hmm. And, like, on the other hand, Momo, she's this ridiculously strong, magical girl. We learn in episode one that she apparently saved the world once. Yeah. And it's made very clear that she could crush Yuko in a snap, but for a magical girl, her emotional state needs some help. Hmm. And, like, a lot of the time Yuko will comment that Momo would make a better villain. So they both, in their own ways, kind of suck at what they are, even if Momo was so accomplished. Yeah, definitely. And, like, we see that, you know, what's also very interesting is this idea, like, I think especially by this point, I think most of us are very used to magical girls being a team rather than, like, individual magical girls. But they have this, like this whole thing going especially with uh, yeah momo's like very clearly alone she lives alone she like doesn't really seem to have any other friends yeah and like while there are other magical girls around she doesn't work with them it's kind of i want to say the same rules as madoka where like this is this girl's territory this is this girl's turf mm -hmm. this is where this girl works and if some other girl shows up she's gonna say hey no find your own neighborhood yeah, it does kind of seem that way. We do meet one other magical girl down the line, but it's only after Momo needs her help, you know. So, yeah, I think it's very interesting. Like, I think it also comes to the line delivery as well. Like, you know, <laughs> poor Yuko, she's so she's so expressive. She's uh, always just so flustered and everything. Like you said, she's very clumsy and, and weak. And always making, like, moe girl noises. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Even when she's off doing something in the background and the camera is focused on something else, she's just like, ah, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yes, so very cute. Yes, yes. And meanwhile, Momo's like the most deadpan character you can imagine, even when she's like doing stuff like transforming, which yeah, even the way that they cover transformation sequences is very funny in this series. You know, a very common thing that people ask is like, wait, what is the time frame of a magical girl transformation? And they actually put down like a microsecond count of the transformation whenever Momo transforms and shows her like, oh, before she used to do this pose also, but she saves time by not doing it. And they talk about that also. It's just very, very good. <laughs> and I just really like their chemistry with each other as well. Like, you can't even really call it enemies to lovers because Momo doesn't see Yuko as an enemy. She just feels sorry for her. Yeah, yeah. And like occasionally teases her, like the whole calling her Shamiko because Yuko stuttered over her own name. Mm-hmm. And like Momo teaches Yuko how to fight, gives her food because she's been going hungry, loans her money all the time, basically keeps her around as a disgruntled charity case. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it makes you wonder, like, what's going on there? Like, why is she being so nice to someone who literally is like, I'm here to defeat you? <laughs> it's very, very fun. I need to murderize a magical girl! And just like, okay, here you go. Here's five bucks in a non-pawn. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I also love, like, there's a recurring gag where, like, the item that she uses to transform can open up and she, like, has spare change in there and, like, a paperclip and stuff some notes it's very silly <laughs> good old hammer space yes <laughs> yeah so um do you want to talk about uh lilith as well ah uh, yes lilith the succubus mm -hmm. which like i think is the only instance in like media that i can think of where characters like oh it's a succubus but like all that that means is she has magic dream powers and it completely ignores the other better known, less work safe thing that they are known for. And it's like, <laughs> okay, 
this is kind of nice, actually. It is very interesting to think about like what that could imply. And they just completely decide not to do that. Yeah. I mean, there was that one gag where like Lilith is offering all these ideas for defeating Momo and one was like seduce Momo Mm -hmm. but then Yuko interprets that as try to get her to be her vassal (laughs) yeah that was interesting (laughs) that was funny yeah yeah there's Uh, a lot of jokes in the show about like misinterpretation like the I'm gonna interrogate your mom I'm gonna defeat your mom And then in the dub, it's like, I'm going to grill as in interrogate versus grill as in consume. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of interesting things happen because like Lilith is clearly very powerful, even if she can only appear in dreams, like to try to get her to do stuff ends up being very funny because Yuko keeps waking up and then ends up forgetting completely what she was supposed to do, you know, because that is the nature of dreams. (laughs) But yeah, in episode four, Momo discovers that there's a switch on the bottom of the statue that Yuko has, which once that happens, like Lilith ends up getting to take over Yuko's body and realizes that Yuko is extremely weak and, you know, ends up leading to Yuko owing her more money (laughs) it's just very ridiculous yeah that is great yes and it's like and knowing what happens down the line with like yeah yuko is not like they're treating her as oh she's got the power that's been denied our family oh she's gonna save us but like she sucks yeah (laughs) and also that's just so much pressure on one kid you know um yeah like she she clearly didn't even want to do this she's only doing it because her mom keeps saying to and her sister keeps like siding with her mom and she's like well i would like to be able to eat (laughs) and like have money yeah and then yeah the whole relationship with her younger sister ryoko also is very cute and Momo ends up kind of like helping out also by like encouraging Ryoko's like passion, like helping her figure out that she's actually very interested in photography. So you could buy her a camera and that part's very interesting. And then like they realize that it's a USB camera, which means that they need to be able to borrow a computer because of course the Yoshidas don't have a computer, but Momo luckily has one. And then Yuko has to carry around the laptop and, like, keep it from getting stolen or wrecked. Yes, that was a very funny gag. (laughs) Yep. She is extremely stressed all the time. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But in the end, everything turned out okay. And so Yuko's able to learn how to use the computer and stuff and... You know, also really looks up to Momo, even after she realizes or is like aware that she is a magical girl. Like, it's very, very interesting how everyone's like, well, yeah, you're supposed to defeat a magical girl, but this girl is the magical girl. But you guys are friends now. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess before we uh, get through to the halfway point here, I do want to put in a little spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't watched the series yet. Again, you know, it's a very short series. It's 12 episodes. Uh, You can definitely easily watch this through like one week and then start watching season two because I'm sure it's going to be just as wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't watched it yet. But yeah, let's get into the spoiler territory. (laughs) So everything changes in episode six, which is another episode where we have uh, Lilith and Yuko you know, in the dream world, uh, they decide to go into Momo's dreams and um, kind of ruin things for her in there and thus leading her to become physically weaker in the real world to the point of literally getting sick. And then we have the gotta take care of the sick friend episode. Yes. (laughs) But then she actually, of course ends up accidentally breaking the seal that she's been trying to break all along, or at least partially, Mm -hmm. because she ended up tracking home 
some of Momo's blood. Yeah, yeah. And the exact words of the curse that we heard in episode one were, you gotta make a blood sacrifice. <laughs> yes. It's like, okay. <laughs> so then, like, their problems aren't immediately over, but they do get to have more than 40,000 yen a month. Mm-hmm. And, like, Lilith can talk through the statue now, and Momo starts to get weaker. Yeah, yeah. So things are starting to turn around for Ego's family, so that is very exciting. Yeah, like, they're still poor, they still live in, like, the crappiest apartment, and, like, everything's not fixed, but it's a lot better. The Mm -hmm. curse is basically lifting... And also, because Momo's getting weaker, she basically press gangs Yuko into helping her instead of trying to defeat her, and now they have to work together to protect both the human townspeople and innocent demons. Yeah. So it's interesting, like, all the characters that appear in the season are in the opening and ending, and it's like, oh, who is this other girl? It's like all orange. (laughs) Extremely orange. And that's... Yeah, well, we get to meet Mikan, who's um, very interesting because she's a little bit more of a serious, straightforward, magical girl at first, or at least that's how she looks at first. Yeah, she's yeah. she's trying. <laughs> I mean, like she's got her problems. Yeah, <laughs> but she's doing her best to be the serious magical girl, even if, when it comes to things like I have to conquer fear. <laughs> Take me to the movies. Let's see the zombie movie. Yes, yes. I love the zombie movie. That was so good. Like, <laughs> So, like, Yuko and Mikan end up going to see this horror movie. It was Mikan's idea because she's like, I have to conquer fear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work out for her, but it doesn't really work out for Yuko either because, like, Yuko is treating it like this horrible tragedy. She's just <laughs> bawling over how sad this movie is because the surviving heroes managed to defeat the zombies. <laughs> the zombies were just trying their best, even though they were decomposing. <laughs> yes, yes, it was very, very funny. The kind of friendship between Mikan and Yuko is very interesting because it's, again, like, wait, this is another magical girl. Why am I becoming friends with all these magical girls when I have to defeat them? (laughs) Yeah, and, like, Momo called her in in the first place because she was like, hey, I need to train this girl. Don't ask why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very interesting because, like, this also leads to her, uh, to Yuko learning more about, like, the kind of rules of magical girls. Because by episode, yeah, episode eight, they figure out, or she figures out that, you know, if a magical girl uses up all her magic, she's going to disappear. So it kind of, again, this is like one of those things. It's like, oh, this is like a dark magical girl kind of twist, but, you know, kind of presented in a very different way, I think. Yeah, like there's a lot of things in the series that would fit in the darker shows if it were taken with that tone. But, like, even as the plot starts getting more important and some things start getting darker and we learn, like, yeah, this world is screwed up, this town is screwed up, this, well, I guess it's not a town, it's, like, a district. Mm -hmm. But, like, there is something wrong going on here and the demons aren't all evil and the magical girls, their system and society are screwed up. Yeah. But the things that might be, like, upsetting or unsettling, they're usually taken to an extreme that works for a comedy because it doesn't feel realistic. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, there's a lot to say about the pressure that poverty and the prospect of getting out of poverty puts on people to compromise their morals. But, like, the fact that Yuko's family was cursed into suffering and so they get, like, they live on 40,000 yen a month and you can't do that. Mm -hmm. That just makes it feel less real and more ridiculous and later on in like some of the manga which I still haven't finished it but they do also parody you know how a lot of the dark shows like to portray magical girls as glorified child soldiers Mm -hmm. they kind of parodied that with like three-year-olds and it's like okay still (laughs) funny even if it's terrible yeah funny yeah I think 
like you said, like, it's interesting because this series did start, like, at least in comic form in 2014. But, you know, at this point, like in 2019, it's a very different kind of uh, landscape in terms of, like, this particular subset of Magical Girls. So it is definitely, like, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, like, 2014, there were already a decent amount of darker types, like Mm. the grimdark subtype of the warrior type, particularly. But... Mm -hmm. By 2019, they were, like, so played out Hmm. that when this anime came around, it's like, okay, this is great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Definitely very uh, uh, interesting kind of relief. I guess a literal comic relief. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like, a lot of comedies do, and this does that, where it does get more serious over time and the plot gets darker, but even then it doesn't dive to the depths of the Edgical Girls. It's focused on the main duo and the cute and silly things that they get up to. Yeah, as as their their, uh, friendship just keeps getting stronger and stronger and it's just like oh yeah these two are so cute together and (laughs) we don't want them to like be split apart by all these rules and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Even as we learn more about the world and their magic and even their neighborhood and like even then with the drama between the characters and the revelations at the end of the season and what that might mean it never feels like a swerve into the trend it was avoiding the impression is more like oh these good girls who they are the way they are because of a broken system but they're gonna fix it Mm. feels more like a traditional show yeah even if we still haven't seen actual combat yet, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. There's, like, basically no real combat in this series at all. They have their powers, and, you know, over time, Yuko does get her own transformation sequence. She has some complaints about her outfit. Lilith tries to fix it. It's not really quite fixed, but, Doesn't work. <laughs> Makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. The ski pants were funny, though. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, just the series in general is, like, continuing to, again, just have the system there without, like, any any battles whatsoever, because they're just all training together. But it's very, very interesting. And then, like you, like you mentioned, we learn about the past in terms of, like, you know, there's actually a connection between Yuko and Momo that neither of them had realized, because... 10 years ago, uh, Momo's stepsister, Sakura, actually had been a magical girl as well. And they find out that like, (laughs) so for one thing, Yugo had grown up believing that her father was away uh, somewhere, like out to sea. But it turns out that (laughs) he's been here the whole time because he was sealed away in a cardboard box. And they've been using that box as their table, (laughs) which is like... Very interesting because I had not read the comic, you know, so like it was a twist for me and I was like, oh, that is interesting. (laughs) Yeah, because throughout the show to this point, it's like, my dad's going to come back someday. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, oh, okay. Then we find out, oh, where he is and why he's not there. But he is there and he's the box. Yeah. He's in the box. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, this is like also really, really like shocking for Yuko and Ryoko. Like, oh, we have been using our father as a table this whole time. Like, it's very, uh, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, and like, of course, when she learns about her dad, it's also when she learns about the other thing with Sakura, which is that, like, with how weak and physically incapable Yuko is. Like, the demon transformation actually made her stronger by far, because, Mm -hmm. like, before that, she couldn't even run. And before that, she was dying. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. like, Sakura did something to fix that, because, like, the curse on both sides of her family was, like, combining. Hmm. So it's like, okay, this person saved me, but also put my dad in a box. And also something happens to this neighborhood and that goes back to Sakura too. And it's like, ah. Hmm. And then immediately like, is the like, oh no, is is Momo going to leave me to try and find her sister? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just like, Emotional campaign, even when it's silly and like, yeah, Mm. it was a really interesting way to leave off the season and it's going to be great going into the next one. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, the the final episode, like we mentioned, like Yuko's uh, decided that she wants to, quote unquote, seduce Momo, so she's going to ask her to be her vassal. And, you know, because again, like Momo seems like she would better be suited as a, as a demon girl than a magical girl. But Momo says, well, okay, Yuko, you need to help me search for Sakura. And, you know, if you can defeat me, then I will become your vassal. And it's like, oh, you know, that is very interesting because then it's like again like what was generally a gag series gets a little bit more serious and now we're like okay but where is this going like is she going to be able to defeat her is like what's going to happen next so i think it's a very good like again a very suitable ending for the first season um covering about a third of the comics and you know we'll see what happens next but (laughs) yeah definitely i'm very excited about the series in general and like seeing what happens uh, as it continues. Yeah, and there is still going to be silly things coming up. There's also going to be serious things coming up. And again, not caught up, but I am excited for what is yet to be adapted and it's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that they end up getting to adapt the whole series because uh, we already know yes. it's finished. So know <laughs> it would be great but yeah is there anything else that you wanted to mention about the series i think we pretty much got it it is very silly show very fun it spawned a couple of memes at least in japanese with the whole like this is shamiko's fault yes. thing where <laughs> that was put on every possible thing like mm-hmm. every piece of fan art and like random things that didn't have anything to do with the show Hmm. There are a few uh, memes and buzzwords that came out of this uh, series back in 2019. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens next. But yeah, it's very interesting. Like I have the uh, the line stickers for this show now. And it's like, oh, these are really funny lines, but I can't use these with anybody like out of the content. If like, they haven't seen this show, they're going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> what is this message? You know, so it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. Crisis management. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I also really like just the wordplay in the show. Like, mm. Sentai's translators did a pretty good job with it, especially with the conversations with double meanings and things like that. Mm. But even just, they live in Tama, but it's written with the ma kanji from like demon and also from magic. So yes. it's like lots of demons, lots of magic. And it's like, yes, yeah, that fits. Yeah, I love that. I noticed that right away. I think the first time I saw a sign for the town, I was like, wait a second. That is too convenient <laughs> a name for a place. But it's very fun. Yeah. And... They draw attention to that, too, because the logo and the opening are full of road signs. Yeah. (laughs) So you're looking at the road signs. Not in the same way that you're looking at the road signs in A Place Further Than the Universe, where the cinematography was always drawing your attention to road signs and, like, the writing on the street, the signs on the wall. Like, anytime there's writing, the your eye was drawn to it but with this it's more like in your face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> but yeah it was like uh just in general again it's just like countless laughs in every episode it's just so charming the characters are so so cute and i really just love everyone and, <laughs> and it just like everyone's like characters work so well it's like so clear why this was such a successful series both in prints and as an animated show and like you know you kind of hinted at it before but like you could definitely read this series as being romantic between uh, Yuko and Momo for sure and you know I don't know if that actually uh ends up you know coming to fruition or anything but at least you know for the yeah. first season it is very cute they layer on the subtext like mm-hmm. the Ai Gasa moment in the end of the opening sequence alone <laughs> yeah and then like there's a chapter later on in the manga, actually, if I'm thinking right, it's probably going to be the first episode of the anime, so I'm not going to talk about it. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, they layer on the subtext. It is pretty great. Wonderful. Yes. I'm definitely really looking forward to the series continuing. I guess the other thing that's interesting is, um, we didn't mention it before, Mikan has like a curse on her. 
Yeah, she's got a curse that's like, if she gets too scared or excited or flustered, then like horrible things happen to everybody around her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you and, know, obviously very difficult for her as a character to like not get excited or scared or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> hence hmm. the things like the zombie movie episode and yes. <laughs> all that. Yeah, just so much fun. Um, Yeah, it just, it's so again, like the, the idea of like kind of playing with like good and evil as concepts don't actually line up with like right and wrong in the series and it's everything is so much more fuzzy again like you said like the idea of sacrificing your morals to earn money because poverty is just so dreadful there are definitely some things that like as far as like that poverty conversation definitely hit home for me a little too hard sometimes so i was like oh my god Yeah, especially because, you know, we're dealing with like a family, you know, and there's like all that pressure for a family to like actually be able to survive and like the the meals that they eat and stuff. And then, you know, it's interesting because like we said, like Momo is like super rich. He has this ridiculously huge house, which I think in general is a commentary on like what houses are like for magical girls in general. Because like this is something that has always pretty much always been the case with magical girls is like they tend to always live in very, very large houses that like are larger than standard i would say uh for japanese household and like hers is like so modern and sleek and yet she doesn't have any family around she doesn't really cook for herself so like she just has all these um like she just eats like random stuff from like convenience stores or eats snack food like she's definitely not taking care of herself because she's missing that family dynamic so it's very interesting yeah, now I'm thinking, like, is there a magical girl who lives in a small house? I mean, there's Creamy Mommy. She lived in the apartment above her family store, but that was also, like, 40 years ago. Yeah, in the case of, like, the Studio Piero idols, they're, they're all, like, families that have their own business and stuff. So it's, like, she might not have the biggest house, but her family owns a business. So it's, like, a little, it's a little bit of a different situation, I think. But, yeah, for the most part, and I think this is not just for magical girls, this might be also true with like generally with like you know girls that girls are meant to look up to in Japanese media they tend to have a very this kind of idealized home and yeah Momo is no different it's it's very interesting oh and we didn't talk talk about Momo's uh Momo's cat I almost forgot oh yes yeah so Momo's cat is like her mascot right who acts like a normal cat most of the time but every time Every time it runs into uh, Yuko, it suddenly goes, it's time. Like, what? <laughs> it's very fun. The time hath come. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Again, just so funny and so ridiculous. Goodness, they're just all very, very good characters. And again, very, very funny. Could not stop laughing the whole time, even when things got very serious. Yeah. Oh, uh, I do want to mention one thing. So, you know, much like is the case for any show of this demographic, it is commented on, you know, like we said, but uh, the outfits for the characters are still a little sexy, uh, in particular for Yuko when she transforms. Yeah, the big thing someone might take issue with is Yuko's demon transformation, where she ends up in the skimpy outfit worn by her ancestor, Lilith. Mm-hmm. They do have some gags about her trying to change it to something more covering and then justify it with one of those plot hand waves. Mm-hmm. It is still v- fairly tame as these things go, but like, it is yeah. worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. And also Lilith's outfit herself. Like, most of the time when you see Lilith, she's like in a sweater that <laughs> talks about her blood sugar levels, but like, her demon outfit if you will is also like very very skimpy and it's like also got a different kind of look to it just because she has like no chest whatsoever and so it's like it would look a lot more different if she had breasts i guess if that makes sense Mm. Mm. like because of the body type that they designed for her like it looks less scandalous i guess but it's still kind of mm, it can be uncomfortable yeah especially with like the how do the socks work? They've got like the garter, but then also the straps connecting like a part of the sock. It's like a gate in the sock. And I'm like, how does this not like slump and stand up and look ridiculous? Yeah, yeah. It's. I'm going to that. assume that she's like taping it to her leg. <laughs> 
it's something something magic something something yes <laughs> yeah so it's again it's like the story writes it in as like this is something that like Yuko just has to deal with when she transforms and becomes more powerful like she just like loses her clothes and there are jokes about whether she's naked or half naked. It is uncomfortable because you know that she is like a teenager. And also because like she doesn't want to be wearing this. Yeah. She has to wear this because like this is her idea of what a powerful demon looks like. But she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that makes it worse. It's like if you didn't draw attention to it, it would be better. Yeah, exactly. I understand because this is again like very much this is a parody of magical girls and goodness knows forever this has been an issue where the villain girls tend to be more sexy or in very skimpy costumes compared to the magical girls but it doesn't mean that it's necessary to have it in this series like you could have it and then just cover it up where it's like oh maybe like as she gets powerful like she gets into an outfit that she actually um is comfortable wearing i don't know like this there are ways to talk about the parody of that without actually like showing a half naked 15 year old girl so yeah yeah and also like i do like how she's like well i'm just gonna not use this in public then yeah exactly (laughs) i'm just not gonna transform when there's people around yeah there are times where she um she ends up transforming and then like a neighbor shows up and is like oh well, hello there, Yuko. How are you today? <laughs> I'm just going to keep going this way. Okay, see you later. Like, you know, again, like, I mean, it can be funny, but it's also like, they didn't need to do that, you know. In the grand scheme of things, like, it is a, a small problem. Like, it is like a problem you're going to find with, like, every show for this demographic. Um, but at least in this one, they kind of try to actually talk about it or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, so. that is true. And I think that's pretty much the only thing that's like might put people off aside from like maybe some of the stuff that we already talked about with how Yuko being so poor might hit home for people Mm -hmm. or but I think that's kind of a different thing yeah yeah I guess another thing to point out it's like again small in the grand scheme of things but like all most of the characters have pale skin Except for Lilith, she's like, you know, the super demon or whatever. And she has like a skin tone that is darker by like one shade. It is barely different, but it is different. So I just want to point that out also. Yeah, that is kind of like a thing that I don't know if if it's just like, oh, she was around in the ancient world and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff from like the Middle East in the ancient world about demons so maybe she's from there I don't yeah or like something else but I don't know if they explain it or not but like a lot of these shows generally don't and it's it's definitely something to at least keep in mind yeah or at least like think about critically mm-hmm. and we didn't actually mention this but um Yuko's father he is also a demon he has his own horns and you know he's very adorable turns out his real name is uh joshua or joshua and uh he is also like very very slightly tan but like again by one shade it's barely a difference but it is a difference yeah like he's still very very light yes just like one shade darker than most of the rest of the cast exactly yeah so it's like i wouldn't call lilith or joshua dark-skinned characters by any means but they are darker than the main cast, like everyone else. So that's why it's like has to be acknowledged. It's just so frustrating because it's like, mm, I don't know, like it's it's really, again, not difficult to just make one other character darker or something to like even it out and not have that like inherent uh, association that continues to be a problem today. Yeah, the thing with like even if the demons are like not actually that bad, they're still demons yeah. and they're still trying to be evil demons. So like why is that the only thing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that being said, I think overall this is still a very good series. Just those little things to keep in mind as you watch. But yeah. Yeah, overall, it's a pretty cute and fairly appropriate series that most people, I think, are going to be interested in. Hmm. 
yeah, again, I think especially for the demographic and comparing it to like a lot of other series. And I think it was good that you pointed out Spec Ops Asuka had ha- just happened the year before because like that definitely felt like the peak of what we were getting in that decade. So um, we're seeing now a lot more like of these parodies and comedies that you know, still are talking about like the kind of grim, dark aspects that can happen with magical girls, but taking it in a different direction that I appreciate. So, yeah. Yeah, because even the traditional shows will go dark. They just aren't dark shows. Yes, that's a very good point. Yeah, like everybody in the Silver Millennium died and got reincarnated. That doesn't make Sailor Moon like a grim, dark show. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's everything else I wanted to say about the series. So is there anything else that we should talk about? <laughs> I can't really think of anything. I mean, other than the show is on high dive, the manga is licensed by Seven Seas, go watch slash read. Yeah, they already have the announcements for like the release dates of volume five is coming out. Yeah, it's in, it's an April release, so it'll be out by the time this episode's out. And yeah, it's gonna it's coming out on I believe the twelfth. Mm-hmm. And then October is the release of the final translated volume, so that's awesome. Yeah, October is the current release. We know like the physical manga shortage is pushing dates back all the time, but. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's October, so keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so as far as we know. But um, yeah, definitely really excited to see this series continue. I'm hoping that we'll get, like, you know, the full three seasons of this show. And I'm definitely looking forward to continuing to watch this uh, second season as it airs this year. Yeah. And I think everyone yeah. should check it out if they haven't already. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. So this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jisa, for coming on. Um, so we are down to the final question, which is, have you ever imagined a persona for yourself? A magical girl or otherwise? Yeah. <laughs> many, many, many times. Okay, tell us more. <laughs> My chuny phase went on way too long. I was actively looking out for weird phenomena and talking to random animals from like up until early adulthood. <laughs> Uh huh, uh huh. I see. I can't even say I had a specific magical persona because I had all sorts, all kinds of different versions of myself with different powers and designs based on what I thought at the time would be cool or useful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, oh, magical girl me has pink hair and throws light discus and it grows with each power up to like (laughs) making invisible shields to, oh man, I wish I could affect molecules and then have like a ability to turn all the carbon in the air into a diamond and <laughs> I don't know where I get these ideas from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah I, I would just come up with who knows what I mean the earliest memory I have of like making one is when I grabbed the only pleated skirt in my closet which was gray and my mother's high heels and i'm like i'm sailor planet x oh very nice (laughs) it was very bad (laughs) very interesting so did you like tend to kind of create like i guess uh your own characters for various magical girl series yes i've created a lot of characters for various magical girl series there was a circuit of play by email sailor moon role plays Hmm. with like various ocs around the turn of the millennium and a lot of these were okay we've got alternate universe where everybody is like just remake the characters from scratch we've got made up planets games about made up planets And then it got into, okay, we want to make a magical girl game, but we'll get more applicants if it's a Sailor Moon game. So we have the food senshi and the angel (laughs) senshi. And like, it was so weird, but it was fun at the time. Hmm. And then, of course, Tokimimu, Kokoro. It was kind of a big thing. (laughs) So, yeah. So many OCs. Yeah. So I'm curious, if you were to make a an OC for the demon girl next door, would you want to make a magical girl or a demon girl? 
Actually, I would probably make some like random civilian who was just sitting and watching all this and just <laughs> sitting in the background giving, you know, the flip up the judge sign 10 out of 10, <laughs> whatever something <laughs> stupid happens. Uh-huh. I think that would be funny. Yeah, they're interesting. Yeah, they're we don't we didn't talk about them, but there are a lot of interesting little like recurring side characters that are neither demon nor magical in the series. So it'll be interesting to see how things continue with them because uh, yeah, that yeah, because like Yuko's <laughs> friends Anji and Shion mm-hmm. are just like taking this completely in stride. It's just like oh, you have horns now. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Did you hear about da 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 da? da? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So I you know definitely some ideal friends to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Ideal, except for the fact that Anri almost always like blabs things that Yuko wanted to be a secret. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, they're very interesting friends. Um, but yeah, great. So. I guess that's everything we have to talk about today. So yes, Jisoo, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, Where can people find you and follow you online? Well, my YouTube channel is Secret Identity Studio, so you can check that out. My Twitter also matches that. It's at Secret Eye Studio because the entire channel name would not fit in the naming field. Mm -hmm. And... I think that's about it for interesting stuff. I know I haven't like posted a lot in a while, but I am still working on videos. I am still doing AnyTube. I just also get eaten by work on a regular basis. So <laughs> hmm. casual AnyTuber, let's call it that. I'm not uploading once a week anymore. I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who's unfamiliar with your work, what kind of stuff do you usually do on YouTube? Uh, Generally analysis and talking about anime like sometimes i'll just go on about the themes of a work or in defense of x hated character <laughs> i do sometimes i did one for iu from kanon and i've also done a lot of old school anime retrospective, which is talking about anime from like 16 years or old or older and just like doing an overview of them and the pros and cons and where you can find them and like whether you think they're good. I have actually covered a few Magical Girl series on that, like my Creamy Mommy video last year. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just talk about like anime history. Hmm. And sometimes it's just like opinions, like what the multiple times I ranted about the best couple category in the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, because that was a complete mess every single year they did it. (laughs) So yeah, that's basically what I do. Mm -hmm. Great. Just post whatever I feel like. (laughs) People should check that out if they haven't already. But yeah, so um, thank you again for coming on and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks a lot. You as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at AyuSheKnows, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparkleSideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you uncovered or a fan or creator you want to hear from by filling out the form in the show notes. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fi.com slash ayushinos or become a member to receive two bonus episodes a month for just $5 and access behind-the-scenes info. 
At higher levels, you can get additional perks. You can also buy a commission or print on my imprint page. Another way to support the podcast one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the use section as we are not picky here. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at A Few Bruises. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. Magical.